This is Future Founders Lab. On today's episode, we speak with Allison Weil, investor at Hyde Park Venture Partners in Chicago, Illinois. We talk about her story, investing in the Midwest, and the importance of finding great founders. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy, and this is Future Founders Lab. Today, we have Allison Weil on the phone of Hyde Park Venture Partners. Hello, Allison. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing great. Really glad to chat with you folks. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Who else is out there? Who else is on the phone? Hey, Billy. Uh, this is Bailey here. I am a second-year student in KCUVF and a fifth-year graduate student working on my PhD in immune engineering. And I'm interested to talk to Allison today about venture capital um, and just some of the stuff that she works on uh, here in the Midwest. And I'm Riley. I'm a second year um, student in KCUVF and I'm a third year law student at um, University of Kansas. And I'm really interested in talking to Allison about how her experience as a founder um, has helped her as an investor. Perfect. Let's jump in. Allison, uh, what do you do and why are you here? Oh, gosh. Um, so I am, uh, as you said, kind of, I'm an investor with Hyde Park Venture Partners. Um, so we are an early stage fund uh, based in Chicago that exclusively invests in companies um, that are building in, in the Midwest, Toronto and Atlanta, um, very much including the Kansas City area um, where I'm the member of the team that spends the most time or, or certainly spent the most time prior to uh, COVID. Um, and so I, I spend my days uh, talking to founders uh, in particularly in B2B software, marketplaces, tech-enabled services um, that are based in, in that area, learning about their companies and then diligencing uh, the idea and diligencing them to, to figure out if we as a fund want to make an investment. Um, and I guess I'm here. Um, one is just, uh, you know, want to kind of continue building uh, relationships and in the, in the Kansas City area and in the Midwest um, and love, frankly, like coaching and talking to aspiring founders, aspiring venture capitalists about my journey and what it's like and, and all that. And so really excited to do that today. So um, one thing we're kind of wondering since we're all students still, do you feel like most of the like skills you use in your job, did you learn those in school or do you feel like you kind of pick things up along the way? So the biggest skill that I use every single day and every single conversation that I have, no matter who it is, um, are critical thinking skills. Um, and those are skills you learn in school. Those are skills you learn outside of school. Um, but most of my job or like when I'm doing the best at my job, it's when I'm asking like high quality curious questions and interpreting that information and figuring out what it means um, for me, for the company that I'm speaking to or for the fellow investor or whatnot. Um, and so those aren't like hard schools that I learned in any like particular class. Like I can't, I can't point to any class that I took at university or, or business school and said, that's, that's the one, that's, that's the one that gets me there. But it's kind of a combination of what I learned in school and what I've learned since then that, that enables me to do the job well. Yeah. So more like soft skills that you kind of picked up along the way. <laughs> Definitely soft skills um, as well. I, I mean, like heart hard, I view critical thinking as like a, as a hard skill, actually, like I view it as like the ability to ask the right question is a difficult thing that you need to kind of learn. Um, but also soft skills, right, which is relationship building. Um, venture capital is very much a relationships game. Um, a joke that some people say is early stage investing um, relationships are longer than most marriages. 
um, which is true. And so there's a lot of soft skills along the way. So all of that that you're asking about, or you're you're providing us um, with soft skills and the critical thinking skills. So when did it all click for you? And when did you finally realize that like the job and the role you're in now, like this is for me? Yeah, I mean, so I think that to answer the first part of the question, it's not a thing that like clicks at one point in time, right? Like it's an ongoing process. Like I am not uh, ever going to claim that I am the best investor out there. And I'm certainly not gonna claim it a year and a half into my career as a venture capitalist, right? And so saying, oh, it's all clicked and I have it all figured out, like, no, that's that's disingenuous and that's definitely like not what's going on. As for the second half of the question of when, when did I figure out this is a career for me? I think um, everyone has a really different journey to venture and mine is perhaps windier than, than a lot of folks. Um, and so for me, um, I was at a stage in my last role where I was ready to find a new a new job, um, ready for a new challenge, and cast a really wide net and knew about venture um, as like this cool thing that people did. And I had some friends that were in the space, which which helped um, me get an understanding and, and connection to it. Um, and was like, that'd be cool, but it's not, I couldn't, I didn't have my heart set on it as like the one thing that I needed to do. Um, but when the opportunity arose um, at Hyde Park, um, it was also the kind of opportunity that I knew I'd be crazy not to try out for a little bit, um, just because of the the unique nature of the job um, and the unique nature of of the fund that Hyde Park uh, was building, and that I was excited to be a part of it. So, yeah. oh, go ahead, Riley. I was just gonna say, so like when you started investing, were you pretty familiar with like startup culture and like what went into starting a business or was it all pretty new for you? That I was pretty familiar with. Um, so before joining Hyde Park, um, immediately before joining Hyde Park, I ran business operations at like a series B-ish um, tech startup uh, doing data science uh, consulting and software based, based here in Chicago. Um, and so working at a company, which was sub 200 people um, and trying to grow rapidly gave me pretty good insights um, into what companies of that, of that stage were like. Um, but then even earlier than that, while I was um, still in graduate school, um, I was a founder myself. Um, and I founded a company. I subsequently shut it down. We can talk more about that. But um, founded a company from the ground up um, and so got great really early stage experience. Um, a 200 person company looks really different than a two person company, um, which is what I was doing. Um, and so had a good sense of what it took to start a company, um, what would make something successful or not successful. And then just the overall culture of the startup scene um, generally and the one in, in the Midwest. Allison, that is super interesting. And I really wanna know more about you talked about um, you know trying to be like the best investor that you can and really knowing the space and that you had this great experience um, founding a company and how that shaped it. Can you talk a little bit more about your founding experience and then also how you developed um, a niche for your investment? Because we hear as students all the time that investors have like a niche in the space. Um, can you tell us more about yours? Yeah, absolutely. So, so to start with, um... So my found, those, those are two really big questions. Um, so I'll start with um, a bit on my founding experience and then we, you might need to remind me of the second one. Um, so, I, uh, so I was brought into the startup space not because I was super interested in startups but because I was interested in a particular problem 
um, which is how the government uses, uh, uses technology or doesn't use technology effectively. And this was something that I was like, I was and am super passionate about. Um, and I realized that if I wanted to work on it, I essentially had two options. One is to go back to a big consulting firm that I'd spent the first few years of my career in, um, or two, to go to, go to a startup. Um, and preferred option two by, by quite a lot um, for a lot of different reasons. And so when an opportunity came up to help commercialize technology that was being built out of the University of Chicago, where I was a student, um, to use data science, machine learning to uh, develop and commercialize software that uh, to identify police officers at risk of misconduct and other issues, um, which was topical in 2016 when I did it and is definitely still still topical now, um, I, I jumped at that chance because it was the intersection of a bunch of stuff that, that was really interesting to me. Um, and so um, I worked with a couple of folks who were still employees in the university and then recruited um, some classmates at business school to join me to kind of get this company off the ground um, to talk to uh, and, and to figure out how what it would take to take not commercial ready software um, and an idea and start selling it and, and converting it to a real commercial application. Um, so we went through an accelerator program. We went through the new venture challenge um, at Booth, um, at the Booth School of Business, did that, did pretty well with that. And then um, used that opportunity to, to catapult into spending um, a little bit longer kind of building the business. Um, and at the end of another six months or so, um, working on it, I realized that there were a few kind of barriers to me making this into kind of a huge success. Um, the first being um, I was the wrong fit um, for founding this business, you know, selling. And this is one of the things, you know, we look for, I look for now as an investor is great founder market fit. Um, so I was selling into police departments and I didn't have any experience with police departments, neither did any of my co-founders, um, which made it really hard for us um, to, to be credible with the market. Um, and to be credible with the folks that we were we were trying to sell into. Um, I mean, the second the second thing was the product itself didn't have great product market fit, and to get it there um, would have required things that I wanted to do that the folks that had originally built the technology weren't um, didn't want to do, um, and so that that made it a bit challenged. And which brings up the third piece, which is like the right team around me and making sure that that I've got the right folks um, that I want to be building a company with for the long term. And so all of that is to say it was a great learning experience, um, but you know, ultimately not successful. Um, but I'm really proud of what we did there, and I learned a lot. And I don't think I would be um, an investor at all, let alone any an investor doing what I am today with without that experience. Do you think um, from that experience, since you kind of realized that you it maybe wasn't the right market for you, do you think when you're working with founders, you're a little bit more in tune to like if they are actually the right team for the product than other investors? Oh yeah, well, I don't know if I'm more in tune to that um, than other investors are. I think the making of a good, I think if you talk to any successful investor, that will be one of the biggest, most important questions that they have, right? Is why this team and why is this team gonna be able to like make this company a success? Because as it turns out, there's lots of really young companies out there with lots of people who think that they have great ideas. Um, and the idea might be great, but like it's not, you need both sides. You need this top tier team to be able to accomplish that. And so like the first question that I ask on every single 
first call that I take with the with a company is kind of essentially who are you and what brought you to this point and why are you founding this company? Um, and if they don't have a really good answer to that um, question, I'm it makes the rest of the conversation a lot harder. So it's so interesting that you bring up founders because um, part of our work in KCUVF as students is we diligence different companies and we kind of evaluate them whether or not um, we would recommend them for investment. And there was recently a project that I was doing some work on and the team was phenomenal. Like we were all blown away by their expertise. They knew it so well. They were inarguably like the best team um, we've like come across in a while and we were all excited about it. We almost got like blinded, blinded by how bright and shiny that they were. Um, so how do you, have you ever experienced that? And like, how do you throw on, you know, your founder sunglasses? Because sometimes the teams get so great um, that you want to invest in the team, but you have to remember you're investing in more than just the team. So what do you do to combat that? Um, I don't, right? Like, and I think, I think like a bright, shiny team that's excellent is like extremely rare extremely, extremely rare. And it's the most important thing at the earliest stages, like much, much, much more important than the product that they're building or, or a bunch of other stuff, right? It's- Why is that? Be, because this is, there's nothing and you're building from nothing and that's really hard and you're building together from nothing and it's really hard. And like, not everyone can do it. A lot of folks, like, it's just a much, they have much cushier jobs available. Great founders have much cushier jobs available, making more money, working fewer hours. Like, great founders, but, like, to give all of that up, like, great founders are hard to find, right? I'm, I'm in diligence with a, with a company right now where that, like, I am completely blinded by the founders. I am overwhelmingly like in love with the founders and it is a crowded market um the product is differentiated but not like the most amazing thing i've ever seen um there's a great opportunity there like but there's no way that we would be anywhere near this far if we weren't if my entire investment team wasn't completely blinded by how in absolutely incredible this founding team is and like I should not, like, those are, that's the last thing I want to put sunglasses on because it's the hardest thing to find. Um, so we've received comments about the, for the founding teams when they're, when they're really bright, they're really shiny. We were like, we've debated whether or not to make an investment because um, I hear a lot about the valuation and like the market analysis. And so sometimes, uh, do you ever, do you ever come across a deal where you're really, really excited about it, but you're not sure um, how much of an opportunity for return there is there? And how do you kind of uh, go through that thought process? So that's a little different of a question than the valuation, right? So, so any, so to give you a sense, right, we are typically investing in rounds of one to $7 million, where we're cutting a check of 250,000 up through about $3 million. Um, the valuations on the companies that we invest in are anything from, let's say, five million, four to five million dollars at the low end, up to about thirty-ish million on the high end, um, with a lot of range in between and some fuzziness around the whole situation. Um, we are looking for companies that 
are going to be billion dollar companies or have the potential to be billion dollar companies. And so if we believe that this can be a billion dollar company, I'm not worried about the long, like, oh, oh I'm not worried about the return so much for anything in that range, right? Because as long as I have real ownership over a company, um, which is important, right? Like I need a real substantial ownership over a company for it when it exits for, a, for me to get a good return or to get the kind of return that I want. Um, but a few million dollars here or there isn't gonna make or break that discussion, right? Like as long as I stay within like the general guidelines of, of the fund. Um, there's obviously like, you don't wanna get out of control, right? Like you want an evaluation, you want a funding that makes sense given the stage of the business. Um, and, and where they're at. But because I'm looking for, you know, the next Uber, the next Facebook, the next kind of massive corporation, um, if that turns out, the last thing that I'm going to think about is, well, gosh, we've funded this, at, you know, it, it had a $25 million valuation versus a $30 million valuation, because it, it won't matter, really. I will, what will matter is the ownership that I have. Because that'll that'll change the returns by order of magnitude. So, um, hearing a little bit about like your investing experience, we, we were wondering a little more about like Hyde Park and what actually drew you to that firm, and like yeah. what your investment criteria is like, and what you look at when you're really evaluating the company. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what drew me to Hyde Park um, first and foremost is the same thing that draws anybody to any job, which is um, an interesting you know opportunity for work with a team of people that I really like, um, right? Like, and that that was kind of first and foremost. Um, the more unique thing is like the investment thesis of Hyde Park, which is, you know, to invest th this idea that you don't need to be on the coast, you don't need to be in Silicon Valley to build a great tech company, um, that great tech companies can be built and are being built um, right here in the Midwest. And frankly, you can find them at better valuations and, and better returns for your money. Um, and so that that was all kind of what drew me to Hyde Park. And, and the Hyde Park team is a like top tier fund um, in the Midwest with a great reputation. And so it, it, that kind of spoke for itself. And so when the opportunity arose, I was, I was just kind of overjoyed to, to, to be able to, to join the team. Um, yeah. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, since you, you sound like you mostly have a Midwest focus, have you like realized or noticed a lot of like differences in founders depending on like what region they're from? Um, not differences in founder, not, not depending on the region. I mean, I think the biggest, th that's kind of our thesis is that there isn't a difference in founders, that you can kind of find a great founder anywhere. Um, what the biggest differences are in the funding and the valuations um, in that a, a company that's being founded in Kansas City um, and a company that's being founded in San Francisco that look identical um, will have very, very different valuations and very different funding rounds. Um, and so that's, that's frankly the business biggest difference, but I'm looking for the exact same thing in a founder that I would fund in, in Kansas city as I would find, or won't, as I, as a fact, won't fund in, in, you know, San Francisco, but, but you should be looking for the same things. So when you say Midwest companies, what, what States are you, are you covering? Yeah. So I like to say, um, we say Pittsburgh to Omaha, Minneapolis to St. Louis. Um, is, is what I say. And then we happen to also be active in Toronto and Atlanta, neither of which are Midwest, um, but, uh, but our areas that we're active. So, yeah. 
Okay. And what's like investing in Canadian companies? Like what's, what's different? Um, nothing. Um, I mean the Toronto area, we got involved in there probably five or six years ago. Um, pretty early on for a US based fund. Um, Toronto has a lot of the same characteristics as Chicago does a really well educated diverse workforce um, that was undercapitalized. There just wasn't a lot of venture capital there but there were a lot of founders and there was a lot of um, really interesting founders. Um, and so it became a market that we got really excited about. Um, we have a few questions probably different for Canadian companies, you know, mostly in how are they gonna enter the US market and be successful here. Um, but like that, as far as the founders themselves, there's, there's no difference. Can you talk a little bit more about what makes a founder super bright and shiny for you? Like, what are you yeah. looking for? Good question. Um, so there's lots of different things that can make a founder stand out. Um, I think, you know, upfront, what is really nice to see is like a long a history in the market um, that they're building in that already has a track record of success um, is one of the kind of core things that we're looking for. Or frankly, just a, a starting with like a person who's previously had success. Now, what does that mean for us? That means that like we are not the fund that is optimizing on the 20 year old Mark Zuckerberg type, you know, college dropout type. That's just not where we as a fund are particularly attracted. There's lots of other people who are, and you can break that apart however you'd like. But like what I love and, and what we as a fund love are entrepreneurs who have deep expertise in the market. Um, and, and that's it. The other thing that's really, really important um, is their ability to attract other people that are smart and talented to the team. Um, joining a early stage startup is a huge risk for a lot of folks and um, finding like when you have a three person team adding a fourth person just like changes the whole dynamic. And so you need to be really good at it and it's really hard. Um, and so we're always looking for founders who are able to do that successfully. Um, we also like founding teams, most importantly. When I say a founder, I don't usually mean one person. I usually mean two to three people, ideally who have been working together for some period of time successfully. Um, founding teams that are kind of bunched together soon or quickly are, are less attractive just because there's a lot of risk there. If they get in a fight or, or something and it all falls apart, that's a lot more likely to happen with teams that have just kind of started working together versus folks that have been working together for, for a decade. And then the last thing is just like smart people who we like working with, right? As I said, kind of at the top, um, a seed investment will last longer in your portfolio than a, than a marriage will half the time. Um, and like, you need to really kind of like the people and think and respect them and think they're smart and, and are ready to go to bat for them. And, and that's, that's super, super important. There's more, but that's kind of the, the, the overview. So one thing that we like talk a lot about at KCUBF is like the importance of like kind of setting yourself in the investment ecosystem wherever you're at. So you're always kind of clued in on what's happening, what the new deals are, what the new companies are. Um, how big a role do you think that plays for you in finding companies, like especially in Chicago? I mean, it, that's everything, right? Like at the end of the day, your fund is sort of, it, it's not quite, but it's sort of almost as good as your deal flow. Um, and if you don't have the ability to go out and find great companies and, and at the right time, then, then you don't, you can't make those investments, right? And so um, 
going out and finding those companies is, is a core part of my day-to-day job, right? I spend a lot of time um, every week trying to reach out and find, find companies that we haven't yet spoken to. And you do that in a number of different ways. Like you do that um, one via uh, referrals from other VCs or, or other founders or just other folks in the ecosystem. You find them via accelerators or incubator programs. Um, you find them via local media sometimes. You find them via proprietary data tools that, that are out there in the marketplace. Um, but you have to find them somehow um, because if you don't find the right, you know, them right away, then you're not, you can't invest in them. And if you can't invest in them, you're not going to have a, a fund returning anything. So if, if someone came to you today and said, you know, hey, Allison, I want to launch this, this great idea that I have, um, uh, where, where do I start and, and how long will it take me? to start selling something, you know, what, what would you, what would be your recommendation there? Gosh, uh, who are you? I, again, I would ask like, who are you? What are you trying to build? What are you trying to sell? Cause that, that's going to be hugely variant depending on what, what we're talking about. Right. Sure, um, sure. A deeply experienced CEO selling to small businesses, some sort of app, um, you need to, you should be selling right away today because you can sell before you build it. And that's, that's no problem at all, right? Get out, start selling before it even exists. A novice um, founder selling who wants to build enterprise software, um, you, it's going to take you a while before you're going to be able to start selling anything. You need to build it up. And like, if you don't have a technical co-founder, I, I don't know what to do. And so, so like, it's just so variable, just like it's variable of like what metrics we use once you've launched, right? Of, of what does success look like post-launch is going to really be di- very, very different depending on who your customer is and, and what it is you're building in the first place. Um, yeah. <laughs> A consumer app, right. like, gosh, you need to get it out there soon and just iterate and get your MVP and go, 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 go. Um, if you're selling into, you know, enterprise software for big banks, It'll take a little while. Sure. Well, I know who to reach out to if I, if I, if I get to that point. Uh, So Allison, what's one thing you want to leave us with today? Oh gosh. Um, do something you're passionate about. Like it doesn't really matter what it is, right? Like the, the best founders, the best VCs are building in a way that like they, this is what you have to do. Right, like, and that'll shine through everything. Where, like, if like it, you just entrepreneurship is really hard. Venture is really hard, and unless you're just like, I have to do this. Like, this is what I want. Right, obsession. You're not going to be successful. Like, it's it just makes it so much harder to be successful. Um, and so, whatever it is, it whether it's founding, whether it's venture, whether it's, I don't really care what it is whether it's anything, like you have to want it badly. And, and it really has to be something you live and breathe. Like if you're an entrepreneur starting, starting a business, um, you know, and you are the kind of person that I've been talking about today, um, reach out to me. Like I take cold inbounds. I want cold inbounds. Um, and so I, I'm happy to take a look at your deck or here. I, I don't promise a response. I don't promise that I'll take a call, but I do promise to, to look at what you send me um, and, and check it out. And I'm more than happy to. Sweet. Thank you so much again. Really, really great to meet you folks. Awesome.
Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Thanks. Bye. You can email Allison at Allison at HydeParkVP.com or find her on LinkedIn or Twitter. This is Future Founders Lab. Thanks for listening.